Welcome to our North Women's Winter Bible Study, Jesus, Portraits of Our Precious Savior. I'd like to begin by welcoming our guest on the podcast, Renee. Would you it's like wonderful to be here, Pam. We're so glad you're here. Would you like to tell us anything about yourself? I am a Bible scholar, and I joined with Exodus, and I was blown out of the water with the excellent scholarship, and then last year with who is the King, the King of Glory. Of Glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've, I've just loved everything. I just, I, I'm feeding myself more and more and more Bible as the time mm -hmm. goes on. Oh, that's beautiful. And you've been a part of the North Church? Probably almost 10 years. Wow. That's great. It's been about the same for me, actually. 11. Well, you serve on Tuesday nights. I do. And you lead a table of delightful women. I do. It has been delightful. So a shout out to Renee's table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, we're just, we're so delighted that you're here. And you. I just want to let everyone know that this is a unscripted. Absolutely unscripted. Discussion. So we, we're not sure exactly uh, what might, what might happen as we discuss, but we are really excited to be here together and we both love Jesus and let me pray as we start. Yes. So, Lord, would you help us now uh, to see Jesus, the Lamb of God? We just plead for you to send your spirit to reveal Jesus to us. We pray that you would open our eyes, that you would incline our hearts, that we would see Jesus as precious and that we would treasure him. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, as we get started, I have a blast from the past. We have, I wonder, you remember what this is? Renee, did you read these books when you were young? I read them to my children. <laughs> if there's any words, I don't know. I think it's mostly pictures. <laughs> it's mostly pictures, but it's Where's Waldo, right? And we search for him on all these pages. And, you know, in a similar way, we can actually look for Jesus, the Lamb of God, and we can start in Genesis and we can go all the way to Revelation. And that's what we're going to do in this lesson. We are going to talk about the Lamb of God. This is lesson six in our study. And this starts on page 93 in your workbooks. And I was reminded back to when we first started this study and we talked about how the disciples were on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had died and they thought he was dead and gone forever. Yes. But showed up on the road. And do you remember what he told them about all the scriptures? He told them about himself in all the scriptures. Yeah. That he's like on every page. He is. And so it's amazing. And we want to be able to do that in this lesson. We want to be able to look at lots of different scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament, be able to say, where do we see the Lamb of God? And I've asked for a little bit of help from my friend, Nancy Guthrie. Uh, I actually call her my friend. She was here at Spring Conference at... Bethlehem for I think three different women's conferences and so got a chance to meet her and she has this delightful new book out called I See Jesus and this is a book for kids but it's rich biblical theology and it, it shows us how the Old Testament points to Jesus and we'd like to read a few of these pages and Renee has offered to read uh uh, a couple of these, I, I took the liberty of doing a couple of snapshots of 
Nancy's book so you can get a flavor for it. And I just want to do a little promo to say if you'd like to buy this book, you can ask uh, Matt in the Bethlehem Bookstore on Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night whenever the bookstore is open. Would you like to go ahead and read the opening page for us? I will. When I stand in the sun and look down, I can see my shadow. It looks a lot like me, but it isn't me. The Old Testament is full of shadows, and when we look at these shadows, we can see something that looks a lot like Jesus. Just like we can't see everything about ourselves in our own shadow, we don't see everything about Jesus in his shadows. But we do see some things about who he will be, what he will do, and how he will save. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Colossians 2.17 it's beautiful. So we're going to see a few more of these pages throughout this discussion. But for now, we're going to begin our search uh, for the Lamb of God, just asking where where is he as we go through some of these passages. And we're going to go back to the beginning, because I think I said at the beginning of this lesson when I wrote, we'll start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start, right? <laughs> so that's where we're going. We're going back to Genesis 3. Um, in your lesson, you actually, we start in Genesis 4, but we're going to walk back to Genesis 3 where we read that after Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to cover up with fig leaves. And so we can see that those fig leaves, they were, they were sewed together. They made it for themselves to cover up, but... It didn't work so well. No. God made these, God had to make other garments for them. It says, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And I think this is a picture, or probably our first picture of a sacrifice. Right. Something had to die to clothe Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. They couldn't really get their skins off without... Uh, that death happening. So this is a picture that we see then repeatedly. And Isaiah talks about this. Isaiah 61.10 is one of my favorites. He says, I will rejoice, greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I think this is such a beautiful picture of the salvation we get, and it's from a sacrifice. It was from a big sacrifice. Big sacrifice. We're going to see that, that Jesus had to die for us in order to cover us with his righteousness. And then on page 93 in the lesson, we get to Genesis 4, where we have this passage about Cain and Abel. And I think this is interesting Without Hebrews, I think it would be a little bit harder to understand. Right. All the details are not spelled out in this story. No. But we do know that Abel's role was he was a keeper of sheep, and he brought an offering, which was the firstborn of his flock, right? Mm-hmm. And of their fat portions. But his brother was a farmer, you mm -hmm. might say, a worker mm -hmm. of the ground, and he brought fruit of the ground. And how does Hebrews help us, to, you know, explain why the Lord, it says the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, 
but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And I see the difference being Abel's was given by faith. Yeah, by faith. And he offered to God a more, it says more acceptable sacrifice there. That firstborn lamb that was brought by faith. So here we see that first glimpse of a sacrifice, a sacrifice the lamb that was given as the offering. And I think it's it's really sweet here that the writer of Hebrews says, God commending him by accepting his gifts through his faith. Though he died, he still speaks. He speaks to us. He was faithful. Mm -hmm. He's calling us to be faithful. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. The next passage we have in your lesson is on page 94, where we have another chart where we filled in some, what we could learn from some of these other passages. This next place that we go in Genesis 22 is a story of Abraham and Isaac. And so when the Lord called Abraham to sacrifice his son, you know, the question, you know, they go through this. I mean, and I, I'm not going to read all of it yeah. here, but, you know, God is asking Abraham to, to give his and it says here, his only son, Isaac, right? And offer him there as a burnt offering. So Abraham arose, he settled his donkey, he cut the wood, everything is ready, right? But then Isaac goes, where is the lamb? Where's the lamb? There's something missing something. that's important here. <laughs> yes, where is the lamb? And so that's a question that resounds through so much of the Old Testament. But God provides in an incredible way here. It says, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound Isaac, laid him there. But then the Lord stops him. He says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was, a, was ram. a ram. Yeah, so now Nancy wrote about this in her book, and I'm. will you read that page? I'll pull that up here. I will. God told Abraham to offer Isaac, the son that he loved, as a sacrifice for sin. Isaac carried the wood on which he would be sacrificed, but God provided a ram to be sacrificed in Isaac's place so that Isaac could live. In the shadow of Isaac, I see Jesus, the beloved son of the father. Jesus carried the wood on which he would be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. God provided Jesus to be a sacrifice in our place so that we can live. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. Oh, I just think this is such a beautiful picture. It's, I mean, look at the, the artistry in this. You can see the cross right here. Isn't that amazing? It's and an incredible parallel. I just think Nancy's insight here in tracing this, it just really helped me. You know, that just as Isaac carried the wood for the offering Jesus carried. Yes. The wood he carried the cross for us. It's just, it's amazing that God himself provides his son. 
son and no one stopped Jesus from being sacrificed. That sacrifice went to the end, mm -hmm. to the end of his life. Mm -hmm. He gave his life willingly. He went of his own accord. He laid it down. It's just, it's a beautiful, amazing picture of grace it is for us. So as we keep going here, we, we're going to ask, where's the lamb in Exodus? In the lesson, we went to Exodus 12 and to Exodus 29. And there's just so much here. Would you agree? I would agree. A lot <laughs> of parallels. So let's talk a little bit about Passover. What did God instruct the people to do? Take a lamb unblemished lamb, firstborn male, mm -hmm. kill it, and then put the blood on the top of the door, on the sides of the door. That would be the mark Yeah, that would prevent the angel of death from taking the firstborn in any of those homes with the blood. Yeah. So God had told them, this is the plan. If you follow this plan, You'll be saved. So they had to act on that. They, they had did. to they had to obey that. They had to follow the instructions. Then God also He commanded them to keep celebrating this Passover as they like did. a remembrance of, of how He had delivered them. Spurgeon said this about it. He said, Let me call your attention also to another wonderful lamb, the Passover lamb, slain on the night when Israel went up out of Egypt. When each Hebrew smeared the lintel and the side posts of his door with blood, and the sight of that blood sufficed for the deliverance of the family, according to the word of Jehovah. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. These Passover lambs were many and sacred to every Jewish mind. But then we learn in John, when he sees Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. And Nancy Guthrie puts it this way in the book. I'm going to advance to the next page here, if you'd read that. God told the Israelites to mark their homes with the blood of a lamb. When he came down to punish the Egyptians, he passed over the homes marked with blood, and the firstborn sons were protected from death. In the shadow of the lambs in Egypt, I see Jesus, our Passover lamb. When our lives are marked by the blood of Jesus, we are protected from eternal death. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. It's beautiful that we have seen now that when Abraham took Isaac up, God provided one lamb caught in the thicket that was sacrificed to save Isaac, who was one son. And now in Exodus, we see that God is saying, choose one lamb, bring it into your house, make sure it's spot-free, it's perfect. perfect. And if your household isn't big enough, bring your neighbor in. But everyone who's in that house would partake of that lamb. So it was one lamb for one household. That's right. And Spurgeon had this to say in another sermon that I just... I. I didn't quote it last night, Renee, so this is this is new. This is new for you. Some of the ladies at my table said, Oh, you should you should read this. And so in a sermon in 1889, Spurgeon said this. He said, Oh, I wish that you would all go on to behold the Lamb of God for your households. 
Mm. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Why do you stop before you finish the verse? What said the apostle to the trembling jailer? Not merely all that I have quoted, but more. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Are there not many believers who do not believe for their house? Come now and believe in this provision of the lamb for the house. Trust the grace of God and pray. Let us cry for it. Surely we may expect the same blessing that God gave to his chosen people under the law and expect it more largely. Grace does not run in the blood, but grace often runs side by side with it so that Abraham is loved and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus the covenant blessing goes on from one to another. Plead with God tonight that all in your house may be beneath the sprinkled blood of the lamb and be saved from the destroying angel and that all with you may go out of Egypt to have a possession in the land of promise. Yes, and amen to that. Isn't that beautiful encouragement to pray for those that we know and love that aren't under the blood of Christ, that aren't trusting, who haven't come in to be safe? Right. As we discuss this in our, in our group, each one of us around the table could name someone, whether it was a family member or a neighbor or a good friend. And so I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to continue to pray and plead for God to do that saving work. Yes, we prayed for my dad's cousin for years. And for whatever reason, he started reading the Bible that he called an archaic old book. And now he is eating every word of it. Oh, that he is, is a changed person. Wow. Yeah. That so is prayer really works. Sweet. Don't quit. Don't quit praying. That is a good encouragement. All right. We are going to go on and we're going to talk a little bit more about where is the lamb in some more of the Old Testament. And this isn't in your lesson, but we I've added a few more Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we have a few more snippets from Nancy's book here that we're going to read. So would you like to read this next one? I will. As God led the children of Israel through the wilderness, he fed them with bread from heaven and gave them water from a rock. In the shadows of the bread and water, I see Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life who feeds our souls. He is the living water who satisfies us forever. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6.35 because God has always wanted to live among his people, he came down to live in the most holy place of the tabernacle. In the shadow of the tabernacle, I see Jesus, the true tabernacle. Jesus became human and came down to live with us. He now lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So the word became human and made his home among us, John 1, 14. And then once a year, the priest sprinkled the blood of a goat on the mercy seat to wash away the people's sins. Another goat called a scapegoat was sent out of the camp carrying away the sins of the people. In the shadows of all these goats, I see Jesus. Jesus is the once for all sacrifice whose blood washes away our sin. 
Jesus is the scapegoat who has carried our sin far away. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, Ephesians 5.2. When the people in the wilderness were being bitten by poisonous snakes, God told Moses to make a bronze snake and lift it up on a pole. Anyone who looked at the snake on the pole would live. In the shadow of the snake on the pole, I see Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus, who never sinned, became sin for us. He was nailed to a cross and lifted up. Anyone who looks to him will live. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. John 3, 14 and 15. Thanks, Renee. So we've seen now how we had kind of a one-to-one -one sacrifice with Abraham and Isaac, and we saw in Exodus how one lamb was going to cover all of those who were in the house. Right. And now in the rest of the Old Testament, we see that in the sacrificial system, one lamb that was offered, you know, every there was every morning, every and night, yep. you know, all through hundreds of years. But yep. it was one lamb atoned for the sins of the whole, the whole nation. nation. And so that idea, I mean, we all deserve death because of sin but here are these innocent lambs dying so that we people didn't have to but we learn in hebrews hebrews 10 4 says it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins so all of these little lambs could never really take our place no and so the question continues well where is the lamb the lamb who will finally come to die in our place once and for all so that we don't have to and so then we're going to go on and we're going to see this in isaiah 53. there's some really amazing things that we can learn from isaiah 53. we've looked at it in past lessons and we're actually going to go there again next week as well but i'm wondering if you have some reflections on isaiah 53 here that you'd like to share. Yes, Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was silent like a sheep before the shearers. And then we have the beautiful passage that says he was pierced for our transgressions, mm -hmm. crushed for our iniquities. His punishment came to bring us peace and by his wounds we are healed. It's a full, total complete salvation complete nothing missing in that nothing salvation missing yeah and this is i mean it's an amazing passage here and one of one of our ladies in class said that she lived in israel for a number of years she said that this is a passage that is skipped over or even uh they say it's like the forbidden chapter it's the forbidden chapter absolutely it looks like it's not supposed to be in their bible <laughs> yeah and if you read it they'll accuse you of reading a christian bible really yes i've heard that and so people who have jewish relatives will take their own bible and show them isaiah 53 is in there it's just it's such a I mean, to us, it's clear, right? We have eyes to see that God is given to us by grace and the Spirit has opened our eyes. So we, we recognize the Messiah here. 
But for them, there's a veil over the eyes. Veil. So he uses this this word here too that he was he was cut off out of the land of the living, and that's something that we see now in the Jeremiah passage as well, right? That he was, but I was like a gentle lamb. Oh, what a precious yes. picture of yes. Jesus! A gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me. They divide schemes, saying, "Let us destroy the tree with fruit. Let us." cut him off from the land of the living. We see that again. And I think it's interesting that we had a woman that commented this morning, this idea that his name be remembered no more. How did that work out? Oh my, that was a, a plot that failed, totally failed. Because <laughs> we have Jesus, the name above all names. Doesn't time split? on his name really mm -hmm. yeah philippians 2 at the name of jesus every knee will bow every and every tongue bow. confess that he is lord yeah that's everyone that nobody is, will miss out nobody's gonna miss there that's right all right let's move along to the new testament where we're going to ask where is the lamb when we get there so we see here the Lamb of God, the creator of all the lambs, was born in a manger in Bethlehem and came to do something that no other lamb could ever do. He came to give his life as that once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And we've already heard a couple of times now about how John declared, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world when yes. he saw Jesus coming. And then we see more references to, to the Lamb in John, right? As, what did you learn from John 12? The Lord who has, be, who has believed us, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So Jesus was reading that, right? Yeah. And where did that passage come from? The Old Testament, where all the passages <laughs> he talked about came from. I think it might be... Isaiah 53. Even. Yes, yes. And so that's kind of another sweet connection here. And then we see Paul uh, says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he makes the, the connection very explicit for us. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And I also think it's beautiful how he put it in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin. That That's that perfect, without blemish, spotless lamb. Yep. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That idea that, you know, he is that, that once for all offering. That's Hebrews. Did we go to Hebrews 10.10? 10? No, I think I added that into the lesson. I was looking at the chart there, but. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus dying in our place, spilling his blood for us, is our only hope of reconciliation. Our only, yes, there's only one. He is the way. The truth and the life. The way, the truth, the life. And We're gonna, the door and all those things. Yeah, yeah. So it's his substitutionary death that saves us. 
you know, he is God's firstborn son, his only son, died in our place, just like that ram back in Genesis. Isaac. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this more in our next lesson because the the fancy theological term for this is penal substitutionary atonement. Wow. So we're going to look at, at what that means next week. Basically, it means we needed a substitute to take our punishment for us. And so God provided Jesus. And then let's look at 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. No fault in him. No. That's why his sacrifice was accepted. Mm-hmm. No one else could do that. No, no one, one else was holy. And you know, this. there's a tie-in to this with the Passover. The people of Israel were to choose their lamb. And you remember what they were to do with it before they... They had 14 days, I think, uh, that had lived in the family, or was it longer? Uh, I don't know how many days it was, it actually. Was a, maybe a week. Maybe but, a week. But maybe. they had some time to they had some time. grow attached to this precious baby lamb. Exactly. And they had to make sure that it wasn't sick in any way. Right. So they had to observe it to make right. sure it really was perfect. And, you know, like Jesus, he lived among amongst us here. Right. And his holiness, his perfection, his without blemish, without sin, was on display for all to see. Right. If we go on in First Peter, I have brought up the, uh, another passage here, First Peter 2, 22 through 25. And there's a connection here to Jesus, our good shepherd. So here's talking about the character of Jesus as the lamb. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. You just read that in I Isaiah. I just read that in Isaiah 53. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Isn't it good of God to give us this image Jesus is not only our good shepherd who takes care of us, who leads us, who guides us, who, who provides for us, loves us, but he's also the lamb of God who gives his life for us. Yes, it's, it's a full salvation, and it, it's not just one and done, although it was one and done. He continues as our shepherd yes. after having been the sacrificial sheep, mm -hmm. the lamb. So yeah, he's a, he's he's kind of always on the job. He has a yes. lot to do for us. Yes, yes, he 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 always lives to intercede for us. Always, and it's exciting that we're coming up on Easter and the resurrection here in the next couple of weeks. Now we're going to look at some other connections to the I am statements that we had last week. This was something that was really fun for me as I looked at this. I Every time I go to the Word, there's something new that I, I think I learn. Yes. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we pray, I hope that 
each time we come to, to Bible study, we are just praying, Lord, open my eyes, show me new things about you so that I would just love you more. And this was something that I just, I thought this was really sweet here. This is a connection to Jesus as the door. So looking back, thinking back to Passover, on that, that night of the first Passover, the people of Israel would have killed their lamb near the doorway where they were about to paint it with the blood. There was a threshold there, and that's probably where the blood would kind of pool. And then they took the hyssop brush and they touched the lintel first, the top horizontal part of the door, and then the side posts. Is there an image that comes to mind? It kind of looks like the shape of a cross. <laughs> it does. They're kind of making that motion, aren't they? And it, it does point to Jesus' sacrifice. And all four sides of the door then would have been sealed. If the blood was at the bottom, kind of pooled up there. And A.W. Pink sees this as pointing to Jesus. And we pointed this out when we did our Exodus study. But I thought this was so beautiful. I had to use this quote again. He said, blood above where the thorns pierced his brow, blood at the sides from his nail-pierced hands, blood below from his nail-pierced feet. Wow. Wow. Well, this certainly was an act of faith, showing that they believed God's word about the judgment to come, trusting in God's protection. The fact that they would obey God and go inside their houses, and they have this blood-sealed door where they found protection, redemption. And the next morning, they realize that Pharaoh has now changed his mind again. Says, scram, get out of here. Get lost. <laughs> go away. Go far away. So then they go out through this door that is covered with blood. I just think that this is an incredible picture that they are essentially, you know, they're leaving Egypt as this new nation that God has birthed. So they're leaving through this doorway of blood. And it just reminded me how a couple of weeks ago we talked about Nicodemus, how he came to Jesus yes. asking, how do I enter the kingdom? And Jesus said, you must be born again. So we have that image of birth that Nicodemus could not understand. But I think there's a connection here because I think that as the nation of Israel was born through this doorway of blood, they were born again. They were, they were born, yes. And it's the same thing that needs to happen to us. We need to be born again and we need to come to Jesus, the door. You know, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Image upon image here. It's beautiful how we go to Jesus. We are born into a new life because God has poured out his wrath on Jesus instead of on us. It's a good thing. 
It's an understatement. <laughs> it's ultimate mercy, isn't ultimate it? Ultimate mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see another connection to Jesus as the bread of life. And again, let's go back to the context of the Passover. The people had quite a meal. God prescribed exactly what they should eat. Unleavened bread. They did not have time to put the leaven in it and have it mm -hmm. rise and then bake it. Mm-hmm. So that was supposed to remind them of fleeing in haste from yes. Egypt. What else did they have to eat? Bitter herbs. Bitter herbs to remind them of? The tears, tears. the pain of slavery. Mm -hmm. They had lamb. They had lamb. That they roasted <laughs> and couldn't leave anything left over to the next day. No. Eat it all. Eat it all. That was to nourish them. They were to eat that. And, you know, Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples. And on, for the last time, they were in the upper room. And uh, this was before Jesus went to the cross. And the Bible tells us that it was the first day of unleavened bread. The disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he, after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. You remember last week when he stood up and said, I am the bread of life, you have to eat from me. That was a very unusual statement for them to hear. And you remember the reaction of the people. At that point, there were many that had supposedly been believing in him. Right, and then they left him because they didn't understand that was too much for them. It was a little too weird. It was. For them. They, it they was. just didn't get it. Or even kind of horrified that he said, you have to eat of my flesh. Me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eat of me. Yeah, well, so Jesus is saying here, he's, okay, so he's the Lamb of God. And at this Passover meal, okay, they would have had the unleavened bread. They probably had the bitter herbs, a lamb. And Jesus says, take this bread. I'm breaking it. He says, this is my body. And then he says, it says, he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So here we see Jesus' blood, again, this picture of this precious blood ransoming us. And then he goes on to say, I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine this until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He took this cup, and in this cup was not actually blood. It was wine. It was wine. And so I got to thinking about this. We, we talked about this at the end of class last night. I just think this is, I had to kind of go home and think a little bit more last night about this, but I thought that Jesus says, you know, he's, he's got a glass of wine here, and the process of making wine is to take that fruit of the vine and crush it out. That's the process. He's taking the fruit from that vine and, and it would be crushed to make the wine. And it's just like 
Jesus being crushed for our iniquities, for our sins. He's crushed at the cross and his blood is what covers us. Like in, there's so many crossing threads. Is that what I'm trying to say here? Yes. Yes. There's more than one way to think about what he did in case you missed one of the messages, you'll have another opportunity yeah. to understand it. Yeah. So his, so his body is the bread that is torn. He says, take eat of this. And even the matzo was pierced and striped that they were eating. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have the lamb, which was also, I mean, had to be broken up for them to eat it. It's his broken body. Mm -hmm. And then we have this wine that is the blood of the covenant. And I just thought of the fact that, you know, just in our last lesson, the very last I am statement that we talked about was Jesus as the true vine. And I just pondered with these connections to bread of life, the door, the good shepherd. I thought, could there be a connection? And I went and I looked up uh, Knowing Jesus Through the Old Testament. It's a book written by Christopher Wright. And I wanted to just read a paragraph from this because I thought this spoke to this question. He said, all of these successive covenants of the Old Testament all come together in Jesus as the inaugurator of the new covenant. In several ways, Jesus was aware of being the one who represented Israel. In referring to himself, for example, as the true vine, he was drawing on the Old Testament imagery of Israel as Yahweh's vine or vineyard. In a related image, he described himself as the heir and the language of inheritance entered into Christian vocabulary to describe the aspects of Christian experience through Jesus Christ, who is heir of all things. And so Jesus is this true vine, like the true son who has come. We talked about that last week. And here he is fruit from this true vine being crushed for us yes. at the cross. And isn't it also a sweet connection back to Genesis 3? Remember the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden, that there would be ongoing enmity between the serpent, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. But eventually the seed of the woman, Jesus, would crush, crush the snake. Mm -hmm. Crush the serpent. Yeah. So as Jesus is being crushed on the cross for our iniquities, as Isaiah 53 says, he was also crushing the head of the serpent. He was Who saw that coming? <laughs> it's just such an amazing story. It the is. way God has has orchestrated this for us to see Jesus, who he is, that, you know, he didn't just hear in this passage with the disciples, he didn't just celebrate Passover. He transformed the Passover. Yes, he embodied Passover. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, I, I am that lamb. I am going to the cross now. I am going to be sacrificed to take away your sin. So just as the, the people were to celebrate Passover, to look back, to remember all that God had done to redeem them, we look back, as we just did this last Sunday, we look right. back at all that Jesus has done, that we are saved by trusting in him, in his broken, torn body. 
And, you know, one commentator said, Israel sacrificed a Passover lamb so as not to sacrifice their firstborn sons, but God, who is rich in mercy, sacrificed both. That's amazing. I got to thinking about what other amazing things Jesus' sacrifice accomplished. And so I'd like for us to, we're almost done here, but we're going to look at Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 14, because Jesus has done incredible things for us at the cross. And Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That describes a lot of people oh, yes. these days. Oh, yes. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh. There we see that wording again. Yeah. This is my flesh given for you. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, the connection here, he is our peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And we're still waiting to see that peace, aren't we? We need to see that peace. It's it's an already not yet. It's already not yet, but it's coming. It is coming. Well, he has wrought so many incredible mercies through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God. We should be singing hallelujah. We will. All eternity. <laughs> all all eternity. Will, we will still be understanding it. And I think that's where we're probably going to wrap up today. And that is, we are going to go to the book of Revelation, where we read this. John writes, I saw, what? I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God. Oh, I just love this. From every tribe, right? Every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That should be our response as well. Yes. Yes. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. 
Thank you, Renee, for joining me today. It was a delight to be here. And I just pray that everyone who is doing this study will just hang in there. Next week, we will do Lesson 7, and we're going to hear more about the sacrifice of Jesus for us as the Chosen One. I'm and looking forward to the sacrifice. So let me pray as we close here. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your great sacrifice. Thank you for sending Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. May we continue to cry, worthy is the Lamb, throughout our days. And Lord, would you show us more of you this week, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen.